are in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. At 106 on this sunny Friday, good afternoon, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Hello. It is I, it is one, it is the chosen one. On AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. And you can always listen online at the website dpetro.com. D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. All you do is click on the listen live. This portion of the program, folks, brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. They're waiting for you. Lunch, dinner, right now if you're listening on this Friday. And look at that, blue sky. It's a Friday afternoon. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I'd like to grab some lunch. Well, they're open. Lodge Pub and Eatery since 1994. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Just heard the weather forecast. It's uh, pretty enjoyable outside. A little, little, little chilly, but all in all. Uh, but you can enjoy it at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. It actually looks, you know, it is cold. It could be worse. I can't believe the amount of snow they're getting in Buffalo. Did you see that? Four feet of snow? Isn't it a little early for that? Can you imagine getting snow on the ground uh, this early and then it, it stays there until like April 1st or mid-April? I knew a basketball coach who coached up in the Buffalo area. And he said, um, he said, it snows every single day. I swear to God, it snows every single day in the wintertime. He said, it may not be a lot, and it's not huge amounts of snow, but it snows every single day. And that would just be, um, I mean, that would be a lot with me. Thank you for Karen, who recommended drink water with the spoon in it. Okay. Um, that was the first time, all the radio shows I've done and everything else in last hour was the first time I ever had the hiccups live on the air. So, all right, I want to get to, you know, actually that Buffalo thing, because then um, I know that the climate warriors are, are going to town over that. Thank you, uh, Karen, faithful listener. Um. 15 years in state prison, gang-related narcotics. Okay. You know, there's a lot of the drug stuff. I'm anxious to see what happens with that state police story. I know a number of the players in that story, and I don't know where it's going. I know all of them. I know Manny. I met Philbin. I don't know him that well. Uh, I certainly know Trooper Casey, and I've been in touch with the other one. And I've heard good things about the other officer that kind of got dragged into it. So... We'll see exactly where that's going to go. Well, Twitter right now is is still rolling along. Twitter, as Mark Twain said, reports my death greatly exaggerated. Twitter is still operating as much as I, I think there were. And that also shows to me a little bit of a bias in the media, because I really believe that there were people that wanted to see it just completely fail. And, and that's what they, you know, last night. Again, I recognize, I'm not going to talk too much about it. A lot of people were, uh, um, a lot of people 
Let me just see this guy put out. Even though there's only enough employees to keep Twitter going for a single day, the tweets continue tweeting for eight wondrous nights leading to declare a miracle. Well, I mean, it's too big to fail. And I'm not going to talk too much about it because I recognize a lot of people don't use it. But it is just, it, it's not, it's, um, it's not one of the better um, tools regarding when you need information, breaking news, what have you. And I'm talking about whether it is some kind of a, a uh, they had him on too, a, uh, a bombing that went on somewhere or, all right, I'll listen to that, or, um, or even just something local. That's the first place that I go. And I know that a lot of people don't. But if you hear about there's a shooting somewhere, right? Shots fired, officer, whatever. Some kind of a, a breaking news. Um, that, that is where I, that's where everyone in the media goes. And you get to see the media people directly in real time as they are. Putting out the information that they have. <clears throat> you know, this is also just a, um, a random mention for you. Now, it's Friday. It can be a challenge to find anything meaningful to watch on television. If you want to see very, very good, it's on Netflix. But I have watched all five seasons of it. And if you want to, the, the Crown season five is just fantastic. I finished it last night. The acting is incredible. Um, obviously, as much as they say it's just a TV show, I mean, it's obviously built in fact. I have found that many of the Crown, all of them actually, they're, they're very interesting in terms of just British history and, and real events that happened. So if, if you're looking for something, so I started watching it, it. They dropped it last Wednesday, a week ago Wednesday, and then I started watching it on Friday. And so it took me the week to watch it, but I wasn't fully um, going, going through it. Meaning, like, I wasn't total on a total binge. <clears throat> and um, it's it's really enjoyable. And if you haven't seen any of it, I, you know that's one of those things. I think that you're you're kind of, I think you're kind of cheating yourself just because it's so good. And it's I'll say this: it's better than it's better than anything that you would find in the movie theaters right now. There, there's no. movie or film that is out there right now that is good as because that's where everything's going now you know the the whole the whole element of um the whole the whole idea of film which was we're only going to make it basically two hours because that's all anybody 
um, will sit through. And but I'm just trying it. Someone uh, people are upset that I I loaded something to TikTok and I I used a little bit of a laugh track in the background. I mean, but you just open yourself up. I posted it, so then you know. Some people don't like it. Other people, the laughing was great. Well, all right. That's that's fair. That is fair. All right. You know, trial and error. We, everything's not perfect. Rome wasn't built in a day. Okay. I could try it like that. I, I thought it sounded okay. Um, I loaded a film, uh, a video, excuse me, on a TikTok last night. It, I, I was up so late because I went out to... Um, I was a false alarm. I thought there was a big story. <clears throat> I was actually out in Providence till almost midnight. And it it was not a big story, obviously, and it resolved itself. But so I didn't I was I got was there at midnight, so I was actually up editing until like I'm embarrassed to say this, but like two thirty to three o'clock in the morning, which was the second late night because I was in North Smithfield on Wednesday night. So obviously Juan could use some, some sleep this weekend. But um but anyhow, um let's see, one fifteen. Let me just also I think that's interesting that the Wall Street Journal has this piece. Now I wanna just boy boy, people are really upset about the Taylor Swift thing. <laughs> But see, that, that's what I'm talking about. Now is the time, because this has happened, that people are saying this is when people would take action, right? Where I, I was criticized a little bit earlier because I was saying the night of the election, I thought Lieutenant Governor candidate Aaron Gukian and Mayor Fung should have said, I have a problem with these, these election results because they won day of voting, both Mayor Fung and Aaron Gukian, who ran for Lieutenant Governor. But the reason they lost was because of all the early voting and the mail ballots. But they're, they're really not mail ballots because they're really not going through the mail. So I, I, I stand by that. I said they should have said, well, I, I have a major problem with this. I don't think that's the way it went down. And it's not that I won't concede, but I, this whole business, the we're argument we're supposed to believe that Seth Magaziner, and, and as I mentioned, I also don't hear anyone mentioning the fact that if you take away, Governor McKee did beat Ashley Kalis on day of voting, but he didn't crush her. <clears throat> he certainly didn't crush her by any means. So he also tremendously, Governor McKee now, tremendously benefited from the stupid mail ballots. And as much as they curl at early voting, I want clarification of what is considered early voting. Because I have learned that they were taking those express machines around to different places. And so, therefore, where they said they were just going to use them at the polls, where you can put on the headphones and they have Braille, that, that they were using it in, in some different places. So, and I haven't heard anything about that. I'm certainly not going to hold my breath on the Rhode Island Republican Party. So, and they, 
they continue to disappoint, drop the ball. Um, I, I've just I've never met such a passive aggressive group as the Rhode Island Republican Party. That that's why I think couple things. Number one, Ashley Kalis did so well is because it was like, oh, wow. Like she she was so aggressive towards Governor McKee and it even threw off the McKee people. But he ran up the score on her, even when the election was not in doubt. He kept pushing. He wanted more mail ballots and more early voting and blah, blah, blah. So think of this, though, day of voting. Governor McKee got 135,000 day of votes. Ashley Kalis got 107, almost 108,000. So she lost to him day of voting by, well, do the math, uh, 27,000 votes. But when you look at Providence is where Governor McKee got a big, she got creamed in Providence. But you can't ignore that Governor McKee got 24,000 early voting. Now, I want clarification. That does not necessarily mean people that went to their town halls, board of canvases, and voted early. They were using machines for people, my understanding, bringing them around nursing homes and assisted living. But the mail ballots, Governor McKee, 25,000 mail ballots. And that they don't go through the mail. That's just the campaign and unions collecting ballots. And Ashley Kayla, 7,000. So we got more than <clears throat> triple that. Uh, four times. Four times, actually. Because she was more. He was 25,000. She was six change. So actually, if you took her times four, they, they're about tie. So as much as he's like, look at that. I got, you know, 58% of the vote. She got 39% of the vote. You you take that out, and that is a much closer race. I, I'm not in any way insisting um, this, this day of stuff. I mean, she got 107,000 votes day of voting. When Mayor Fung ran against Gina Raimondo in 2018, he got um, 130,000 votes. So she underperformed there. She definitely underperformed. If she if she could have closed the gap, but I, I just would argue that a lot of the issues that they that she picked, I, I she left to me, as I've said, a lot on the table. She left a lot on the table in, in terms of Ashley Kalis, the Republican candidate for governor. She seemed to leave her entire campaign was criticizing Governor McKee. There was no one else. There was no one else. She didn't go after any other group. And I think a lot more could have been done. Now, Wall Street Journal, Nancy Pelosi's lessons, lesson in power for House Republicans. GOP leader Kevin McCarthy will need to enforce the unity she managed with Democrats. By the way, that is true. That is true, especially when it like came to the squad. Uh, another piece in the Wall Street Journal, Trump or Biden? How about neither? Walking away from the presidency is like giving up the car key because you're too old to drive safely. <laughs> I, I, I think people are going to arrive there. I'm not convinced they're there yet. But I think you're going to see it 
when when President Trump, well, Biden is still an unknown. He wants to run again, but I don't know if it's him. It's more to me the staff and the wife. Um, he may not have a choice when they start the Republicans start going after the Hunter Biden investigations. But I believe when you put President Trump on a debate stage with the governor of Virginia, Chris Christie, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, uh, Ron DeSantis, when you start to see him there, that's when I think um, I think that that will be the decider. So now there's two other pieces I just want to mention in the Wall Street Journal. One is Daniel Henninger, can Trump change his stripes? Suddenly, the former president's talking about real issues rather than a, a rigged 2020 election. I don't know. Hasn't that always been the problem, though? I mean, I say that as someone that voted for him. What did the biggest thing you hear? That people, it was just too much. It was too much Trump all the time. I've tried to, when I have had communication with his people, I tell them the same thing every time. I'm a broken record. Less is more. I don't like that he's on Truth Social. He was better when he was not tweeting all the time. They just don't get that. Or he doesn't get it. He writes, this is the Wall Street Journal, until Wednesday, my favorite New York Post headline of all time, Marina above the obituary, the owner of the Elvis sighting tabloid, National Enquirer. National Enquirer owner goes to meet with Elvis. It'd be hard to top the head they ran along the bottom. Florida man makes announcement. The day before the midterm, President Trump promoted speech as a very big announcement. He must have assumed he'd be surfing atop a red Republican wave. Is it clear how many people actually turned into here and throw his hat in the ring? 700 days before the next presidential election. The major broadcast networks didn't carry the more than one hour speech. CNN dropped out. Fox pulled back around the 45 minute mark. I think actually a little earlier than that. A self-created liability for President Trump is that no one can take anything he says or does at face value. There's always an angle in there somewhere. One theory is he thinks making himself a candidate will deter the various prosecutors Posse is now chasing him. Daniel writes, my contribution to low thinker would be let the online Trump fundraising begin. Trump spoke repeatedly about our movement. I'm your voice. The famous Trump base is many things, but sure, it's his personal ATM. During his presidency, millions of us got two or even three mails a day asking 10, 25. One measure of his prospects will be the fundraising totals he reports relative to his earlier campaigns. After more than 60 minutes, the only thing he left out of his announcement was the kitchen sink. But with Mr. Trump, the kitchen sink always matters. What he didn't say was notable. There's no reference to Ron de Sanctimonious or the recently bizarre repellent truth social post, Glenn Youngkin. That's an interesting take. Doesn't it sound Chinese? Other than some mockery of Joe Biden, he made no disparaging remarks. But most interesting of all were the unmentioned Republicans he seduced and abandoned. Dr. Oz, Doug Bastriano, Don Buldeck, lost in New Hampshire, Blake Masters, Kerry Lake, Adam Laxalt, Scott Jensen, Tudor Dixon, and Tim Wickles. What all these candidates had in common was their willingness to assert some version of the view that the 2020 election was rigged or stolen. But in his announcement... It was barely mentioned. Instead, he changed his stripes, transforming himself into a solidly issued or in candidate. Taxes, deregulation, energy independence, education, traditional schooling, military. 
most of the agenda Trump embraced in the speech was what Republicans he opposed would have run on, such as Senate candidate Dave McCormick in Pennsylvania and Chuck Morris in New Hampshire. The one thing we learned after Tuesday's result, independent voters abandoned the GOP aligned with Trump stop the steal effort. He writes, let me put it this way. If Republican candidates had run in the midterms an agenda like described by Trump, the party would, would, the, um, party would control the Senate now. Maggie Hassan and Catherine Cortez Masto would have lost in his announcement speech. Trump threw his failed rigged election off the train while he himself moved on to more responsible agenda. That takes real goal. The paramount issue in 2024 has become winning not only the presidency, but governing majorities in the Senate and the House. Some conservative commentators know better and able the impression Trump's a unique, magical being, like a figure in mythology. The reality is many of the accomplishments listed were heard and voted through Mitch McConnell's Senate and Paul Ryan's House. What lies ahead? Will the candidacy have coattails or will it be the ball and chain of the midterms? <clears throat> One thing Mr. Trump doesn't do is landslides or waves. Hmm. The crude argument for him winning the nomination, as in 2016, his 30% base will divide the opposition. He wins by showing up. That's depressing. Republicans are on the verge of an invigorating presidential debate among Ron DeSantis, Glenn Youngkin, Mike Pence, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Mike Pompeo. The list of next generation conservative leadership. Instead, we're getting the final season of The Apprentice. All right, so that's in the Wall Street Journal. Folks, good afternoon at 127. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. And then um, Peggy Noonan had a good piece. Trump and the fight Republicans need to have. Uh, Chris Christie says the party can't move forward unless the former president's opponent take him on directly. He's going to do it. Chris Christie is going to do that on a Republican debate stage. Christie got a standing ovation of the RGA, Republican Governor Association. Delivering fiery words captured interviews of the audience members. The former governor told them, reject crazy. (laughs) So Peggy Noonan spoke with him after the announcement. So he is running, which I thought. And he he was definitely in President Trump's orbit. He, He was part of the debate preparation for 2020. So they're arguing. See, I'm anxious to see. How does that play on a debate stage? I'm not saying that that uh, Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, who did come to Rhode Island recently to campaign for Mayor Fung on Federal Hill. Um, I, I'm not saying that he's going to be victorious, but he may take him on. And if you're DeSantis and Yunkin and Nikki Haley and Mike Pompeo and Pence even, they may stand back and watch and see how that plays. Is he booed or is he cheered? When you give a speech, when you're a comedian, you immediately get a sense of what lines really play. When you're giving a speech, you get a sense pretty quickly of what the audience is reacting to. And then that, you know, decides whether or not they give that speech again. Well, Chris Christie's going to be doing the same thing. You know, before we see a film... Right now, folks, it's 129. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. When you see a film, you got to remember that 
that film had has been run through uh, test audiences. They already know what scenes really register with the audience. If it's a comedy, they know what scenes really get the biggest reaction. And and then that's how sometimes it can even work in the sequencing of of a film. If you've ever seen a film, which you have many times, a comedy or whatever, where the first hour can be great and it flies by. And then the second hour, it's just, well, that's that's actually by design. Because their goal is to just keep you initially through that first hour. And with Chris Christie, that speech he gave, I know it was filmed. They're going to watch it. They have levels. And they're going to see... Where the audience really responded and what they didn't respond to. So it's, it's not an accident, the things that they um, come upon. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought by Propane Plus. Heating and cooling. The season is here. Call them. Do you use propane? Call Propane Plus, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508 252 3359 for Propane Plus heating and cooling. Three generations. They're available 24 7 for service and delivery. Online billing. Schedule a service delivery at the click of a button. Receive a free safety inspection. Propane Plus. They, you can depend on them. They're there for you. You can log on. They have a very user friendly website. It's propaneplus.com. Residential or commercial, Propane Plus. Give them a call, 401-885-4209, 401-885-4209 for Propane Plus. Well, folks, good afternoon. At 131, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, the big news is Twitter is still still going. Twitter is not over. Twitter is not down. Do I really want to hear? Do I really want to do this? Am I really going to play the Seth Magazine of people on with newsmakers? Do I really want to? Because I don't believe any of this. But, all right, they had him on. Let me play a clip. Magazine or campaign manager. What's her name? Katie Nee Zambarano. She supposedly was the campaign manager. She's on Newsmakers with Captain Creep, Bob Walsh, an inside look at the strategies that worked. So they're still staying on this. Let me, let me hear this. You know, brilliant. It was always going to end this way when the campaign's over. But, I, you know, it, there were certainly, I thought, moments where Democrats did get pretty nervous about the second district race, especially as the fall polling came out and it hadn't moved. Mag- uh, Fung hadn't gained votes, but Seth Magaziner hadn't really either. Was there a moment, uh, what was? What would you say was the most nerve-wracking moment? Maybe you'll never admit you ever thought you were going to lose. But what was, the, what was the point in the campaign you were most like, this is, this is not where we wanted to be at the moment. We got we to gotta really ramp up. Well, I was nervous every single day. <laughs> so, you're you paid know, to be nervous. I'm paid to be nervous. Yes. And, you know, if you're not running from behind, you know, you're not doing the right things and you're not motivated enough. So I was very, very nervous. You know, the week that 
the poll that you all released came out, uh, and then a week after that, or a few days after that, Boston Globe had another poll that showed, you know, that yours was six points, theirs was eight points. You know, those were days where and you put out yours, we, and you we were sitting down out, three. We, we were down, um, and we knew from the day that Seth Magaziner announced he was going to run, we knew this was going to be a really hard race. We knew we were closing a name ID gap. And the reality is, you know, people haven't... Just for the people at home, that's meaning people just didn't know Seth Magaziner right. like they knew Alan Funk at the beginning. Exactly. And the reality is a lot of us know our mayor, and we don't really know what the treasurer does. Yeah. We don't know too much about the office, and, and Seth did an incredible job as treasurer, but many people didn't know much about even what that job is. Oh. So, Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that um, is shocking this when is a down-ballot candidate tries to go for the top, one of the top jobs is... Uh, and, and again, the polling bears this out. Usually there are 30, 30, 30 people. A third of the people know who they are, a third of the people and like them, a third don't like them just because they're on the other team, and a third really know nothing about them. The other thing that compounds our problem as Democrats is our primary is so gosh darn late. Yes. Yeah. And when it's a competitive and party. in a very tough primary. Right. And, 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 and so was uh, now Congressman-elect Magaziner that the day after that primary, you've got all the accrued negative campaigning that has been run against us and give the republicans credit for clearing the field for alan fung no one laid a glove on him although basically right. the magazine campaign started talking about their real opponent the republican before um primary day um so you've got to recover from all that negative you've got to rebuild the party you got to heal all the folks who are democrats who are against you Everyone all right so not bad not bad i i do want to hear parts of this just because i'd like to hear if in fact they get into the whole situation with the mail ballots I think we're going to have time. I mean, now they've piqued my interest a little bit. Both of those individuals, make no mistake about it, there's four four voices you're hearing. One is Tim White. I respect his opinion. Ted Nisi, there's no one more plugged in than that guy. Ted Nisi of WPRI, there's there's no one more plugged in. At some point, he's going to get snatched up by Politico or Punchbowl or... It'll be a loss. <clears throat> It'll definitely be a loss to our area. But the guy's too good. He is so thorough, so buttoned up. He is a true journalist. Ted Nisi, N-E-S-I, of WPRI. Politics order, digital reporter. Um, I just have so much respect for the guy. He um, and the people that hired him and put them, put him in that spot, right? Because Channel 10, when it comes to local news, Channel 10 wins because of their anchors. Channel 10 wins because of, well, in the morning, Mario Hilario, and then, you know, later, obviously, you see uh, Patrice Wood and Gene Velicenti. Now, Channel 12 does well because of a lot of their investigative work. Nothing against the anchors there. I know Mike, Mike Money Calvo well. Went to college with them, but that's what where their um, strength lies. Channel Twelve is more reporters. <clears throat> Channel Ten, they really thrive off their anchors. So when they hired Ted Nisi in that role, there was no boilerplate for that. They were in new ground, new territory, and I, I just wonder. At some point when there's an opening, somebody's going to grab him. Let me dip in just a little bit more. This is the new makers. Katie, superb race, superb candidate, great victory. 
almost to the number that I predicted a month ago that yeah. he would do because <clears throat> Alan Fung had a peak. He had a cap, which was better than the normal Republican cap because he had run twice before. In, in, in the case of the second district race, when I sat down and ran those numbers, I looked at Alan's, Alan Fung's performance against Gina Raimondo in the prior races. I looked at the 21 cities and towns in that district, and I saw where all the opportunities were, and I knew that there would be a phenomenal ground game from labor, from women, from progressives, from everybody in the Democratic Party who wanted to make sure we kept that seat, and we weren't the reason that Congress went the wrong way nationally. And... All the messaging was exactly as the messaging should have been. And, and I was helped out. as I, best I could uh, uh, defend uh, the uh, magazine or campaign from the folks who said, oh, they should be doing this instead. No, they have a plan and they're sticking to the plan. Go up and yell at Belichick about his strategy here. <laughs> you know, we've done this before and we know what we're supposed to do. If we, if we lose, yell at us after. All but, right, but, but wait, uh, hang on. So, but, you, you, you know, you're taking credit. I predicted, I predicted. That's, that's great. Oh, I'm wrong but, a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, nice. no, it's easy to say two weeks after election, but... How in the governor's race? Yeah, okay. Well, I wrote it down, though. <laughs> That's evidence. Um, did you predict? Oh, yeah, 20? you were better before you were a lawyer. <laughs> you, I'm not. Did you, did you predict 20 points for McKee? No. I mean, no, I yeah. knew that um, I knew that Dan McKee would run better than Seth overall. I knew that he would run behind uh, David Cicilline overall. Mm -hmm. I did not think we would get every potential available vote because you always run a conservative model, right? You run, and, and, and there's a lot of variables there. You know, we were looking... Uh, best case scenario, and Joe Fleming, who's going to be on the second segment of the show, gave us a very wide range on this show of a statewide turnout between 340 and 400,000 votes because there was a lot of uncertainty there. But when you when you put these things together, you run a model. So I ran a 360,000 vote model to be conservative, knowing that more votes that turn out above that accrue to the Democrats. Dan McKee could have gotten 60% of the vote had we gotten a bigger turnout, mostly in Providence, Pawtucket, Blackstone Valley. Yeah. Um, but there weren't a lot of motivating uh, down-ballot races to turn people out. Uh, one person said to me more than semi-seriously, we got to make sure there's always an independent running against the Democrat for mayor in Providence so we get that extra 10,000 votes, 75 to 80 percent of which always accrue to the Democrat. Just the demographics of that city. Kate, why do you, why, just as we're talking about towns, um, I was a little surprised uh, how Alan Fung underperformed in Cranston. Mm -hmm. What do you attribute to that? You know, what I attribute that to is that people understood the high stakes in this race, that this was a federal race where they were very concerned about the Republican Party in Washington. And, you know, over the course of the campaign, even, they took extreme positions on things like privatizing, privatizing Social Security and Medicare, of course, on abortion rights. And so I think that people saw, you know, I might have liked Alan Fung as mayor. I might have thought he did a good job. But the stakes are really, really high, and I'm concerned about empowering Republicans in Washington. I'm concerned about Kevin McCarthy being Speaker. And so ultimately, those people might have still gone in on Election Day liking Alan Fung and voting against him. We're talking, so, you know, it, everyone looks, you know, brilliant. It was always going to end this way when the <laughs> campaign's over. But, I, you know, it, there were certainly, I thought, moments where Democrats did get pretty nervous about the second district race, especially as the fall polling came out and it hadn't moved. Mag uh, Fung hadn't gained votes, but Seth Magaziner hadn't really either. Was there a moment, uh, what was? What would you say was the most nerve-wracking one? Maybe you'll never admit you ever thought you were going to lose, but what was, the, what was the point in the campaign you were most like, this is, this is not where we wanted to be at the moment. we gotta, we got to really ramp up. Well, I was nervous every single day. <laughs> so, you're you paid know, to be nervous. I'm paid to be nervous. Manager, yes. And, you know, if you're not running from behind, you know, you're not doing the right things and you're not motivated enough. So I was very, very nervous. You know, the week that 
the poll that you all released came out, uh, and then a week after that, or a few days after that, Boston Globe had another poll that showed, you know, that yours was six points, theirs was eight points. You know, those were days where and you put out yours, we, and you we were down our, three. We were, we were down, um, and we knew from the day that Seth Magaziner announced he was going to run, we knew this was going to be a really hard race. We knew we were closing a name ID gap. And the reality is, you know, people have... Just for the people at home, that's meaning people just didn't know Seth Magaziner right. like they knew Alan Funk at the beginning. Exactly. And the reality is a lot of us know our mayor, and we don't really know what the treasurer does. Yeah. We don't know too much about the office, and, and Seth did an incredible job as treasurer, but many people didn't know much about even what that job is. Oh. So, Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that um, is shocking when a down-ballot candidate tries to go for the top, one of the top jobs, is... Uh, and, and again, the polling bears this out. Usually there are 30, 30, 30 people. A third of the people know who they are, a third of the people and like them, a third don't like them just because they're on the other team, and a third really know nothing about them. The other thing that compounds our problem as Democrats is our primary is so gosh darn late. Yes. Yeah. And when it's a competitive and party. in a very tough primary. Right. And, and, and so was uh, now Congressman-elect Magaziner that the day after that primary, you've got all the accrued negative campaigning that has been run against us and give the republicans credit for clearing the field for alan fung no one laid a glove on him although wisely the magazine campaign started talking about their real opponent the republican before um primary day um so you've got to recover from all that negative you've got to rebuild the party you've got to heal all the folks who are democrats who are against you and know the greater good is coming together as a team and the one thing that we did and, and all over the ballot is come together as a team alan fung wouldn't even campaign with ashley kalis they did not have a team of Approach. He was True. their best known and theoretically uh, top vote generator, and he didn't have anything to do with the gubernatorial candidate. So uh, we, we did a very good job, and this is not always true, but we did a very good job in the cycle as working as a Democratic team across the board. And the coordinated campaign, which uh, Bricks and Isaacs did a great job for Dan McKee and Katie uh, uh, for uh, Seth Magaziner um, kept an eye on, uh, was very effective. So I'm just, I'll stick with you for a sec, Bob, because so switch from your Democratic cheerleader hat to your trying to be a little bit of a neutral political analyst hat. I we were talking about this in the show last week. Um, I do wonder, and I, I'm not trying to depress our Republican viewers, but when I see in a year like this where we thought with inflation, with the strongest possible candidate, and as you said, the field cleared for Alan Fung, uh, a, a tighter race than certainly Jim Langevin had been having, and your credit, the magaziner people still won it, and obviously the governor won by 20 points. All the down-ballot candidates won fairly easily. Is there a path left for Republicans to win statewide and federally in Rhode Island? Again, I know it's not yes. your habit. You still no, think No, no, so. no. I, oh, absolutely. I, they could have done it in this cycle, but you know, they, they all want the top job. If the Republican Party came to me and said, tell us what to do, I could have guaranteed them two statewide seats. Which one? They would have run Ashley Kalis, Lieutenant Governor, and Alan Fung for General Treasurer, and they would have taken those jobs. You so think so? Yeah. With that, with five million dollars? With all the respect to Nina? Absolutely. Ashley Kalis. So if she came to her advice and still wanted to run for governor, I would have said, take a, take a million of that five million, spell it that on the down ballot race, run as a ticket, and even if you don't win anything, start building a party for the future. Um, those are ways they could have done it. Mm -hmm. Alan Fung was a credible but statewide but candidate. Alan Fung's Not running, for that seat, If Alan though. Fung's running for treasurer, um, we'll get you back in a sec, but if he's running for treasurer, all of you Democrats would, would get nervous that that's actually competitive and come in for James Diosa, sure. and the same thing wouldn't the same thing happen that we see happens right. in the congressional race. Maybe not. Maybe 
maybe not. But there was no way you're going to let a congressional seat go. Mm. No way, you know, national attention. And as much as we love the National Party, they were a little distracted trying to keep Congress, and they weren't going to dump a lot of money and resources to keep a treasurer's seat. Mm. When we've got the guardrails already in place in the Rhode Island General Assembly to stop real mischief from happening anywhere from any down-ballot officer. But you know, they don't listen to the advice, so I'm happy to give it because they won't listen. Katie, <laughs> the post-game analysis on the debates in the 2nd Congressional District uh, focusing on the general election primarily was that Seth Magaziner had pretty good debates. He did. He performed well on the debate stage and, and did better with each debate that happened. What is Take us in the room. What is debate prep like for those things? Sure. Well, I like it really this. starts very big I like picture, it. right? Before you get into practicing any questions is what do we want to accomplish here? What's the message of the campaign? And for us, that was very clear. Our message was that Seth Magaziner is the candidate who's fighting for working people, and Alan Fong is the candidate who's being funded by oil and gas money, big pharmaceutical money, the congressional leadership. Are they going to mention mail ballots? is funding. And so all of our answers needed to come back to that same frame, right? That this is a really clear contrast between what you're fighting for and who you care about and what you're going down there to do. And the benefit that we had is Seth Magaziner was a candidate who always knew why he was running. He always knew why it was important to keep the seat. He always knew why he was in public service in the first place, even before he decided to run for Congress. So then when you get in the room and you start practicing, it's making sure that you are taking the questions that are asked and, and making sure that you're using that opportunity to communicate to voters why you want to go there and why you want to tell people to play Alan Fung. So David Cicilline did an incredible job playing Alan Fung in debate prep. Did he get like was he good? Did he get the he, answers right pretty well? He was like, great. He, he channeled. Very yep. well prepared. <laughs> you know, he watched interviews he had done recently. It wasn't a trial. He, wasn't he a trial? He's yes. Very good yes. on his attorney. Yes. 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 Very, very, very good on his feet. Yeah. And he also he knows sort of the. The Washington talking points that the Republicans, which Alan Fung was mostly mirroring, you know, he was really running as a national Republican. Let me ask. So we've talked, we've talked a lot about magazineers because it was so tight, but I don't want to overlook the big victory for the guy you were helping the most, which is Dan McKee. Uh, Dan McKee. Um, you know, I don't. I mean, you know, listen, those newsmakers, folks. Good afternoon. It's John DePietro. That was Ted Nisi, Tim White, Bob Walsh. He and I were in polar opposites, but I don't disregard his political nature. And, and Katie Nee, that was, um, I enjoy listening to that. That's real inside baseball. But boy, they, they certainly know this stuff. All right, let me see if I can, uh, let me see if we can get our friend John Francis on the line, just because he's got something in there that's beautiful, that Winchester model. I wonder if it's already sold. Hunting rifle, really, really nice condition. Folks, joining us on the line right now is our friend, the Defender of the Faith. It's John Francis, a competition. John Francis, that Winchester model you posted on Facebook, wow, that's a good-looking rifle. Uh, it is, and it was made in 1884. Wow. Huh, and still yep. available. That is, the, that, that is an original original uh, model, 1873, lever action and thirty two caliber from 1884. That is fantastic. And that's still available right now. It is. Wow. So if and there's any Winchester collectors out there, yeah. uh, the, the bore on this, the barrel on this thing is, uh, I, ran a, I ran a couple of swabs through it. It's, it's bright and shiny. Huh. The, 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 the blue finish may have turned to patina long, long ago, but from the, how shiny that barrel is, it doesn't look like this was fired a lot. 
Wow. And it looks like Christmas arrived early. I'm looking on Facebook, that shipment of CCI standard velocity. It looks like it's uh, ready to go. Oh, yeah. I've been, uh, so for the competitor shooters, especially like myself, uh, that is the ammo of choice around the state. And so uh, this is the first really major shipment of that I've seen uh, in nearly two years. Huh. Uh, we have a, a, well, someone that listens to me that is a big customer of yours, and I, I didn't know initially what, he sent me a text the other day, and all it said was, he's got, he's got, a, like, I didn't know who he was talking about, whatever, but he just sent me a text saying, he's got the CCI in, he's got the CCI in, and I thought it had to do with CCRI. I didn't know what he was talking about, but that's what it is. Now, also, folks, again, we're speaking to John Francis, Competition Shooting Supplies. Beautiful condition, Savage Arm Model 12. Talk to us about that, John Francis, if it's that, still available. So that, is, so that is a heavy-barreled varmint rifle. Wow. Uh, so for use it, it, it would, you, someone would use that to hunt uh, coyotes, prairie dogs, woodchucks, uh, you know, uh, a predator or nuisance-type uh, varmints like that. Um, it's a 26-inch stainless heavy-fluted barrel. Uh, it has a, a quad, really high-quality Nikon uh, 8x32 uh, scope on it. Uh, I'm including four boxes of ammunition that I got with it. Uh, so this package is, is ready to go. There's also a hard case that I got with it. I'm, I'm, everything is going as one package, so it's, you, you don't have to do anything to it. The only thing that needs to be done is take it to the range, verify the zero on it, and Go do what you got to do. Folks, we're speaking with John Francis, Competition Shooting Supplies. And, and it's funny, John Francis, I got a message from someone. Again, people shoot me a message and said, I'm going in. Tell him to hold that Smith & Wesson M&P 15 for me. And I, I messaged him back saying, hey, listen, you you contact him. You contact What do you mean tell him to hold it? Now, he's not in the next room. And it turns out that, now, first of all, I like that it came in on consignment, but that's already spoken for. Correct. Yeah. Wow, that's another beautiful. Uh, so well, I, I've got I I do have a couple of more used ones that uh, I just got to get cleaned up. Okay, and uh, I'll get some. Uh, hopefully, I'll get some uh, uh, pics of them done either uh, uh, today or tomorrow or beginning of next week. Nice, folks. Again, it's John Francis Competition Shooting Supplies, four thirty five Benefit Street in Pawtucket, and John Francis. Now that one on consignment. I want people listening to understand they could sell it out to you outright or. They could, in that particular case, somebody decide to sell it on consignment. Correct. Yes. Uh, the, uh, um, the, 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 choice is, the choice is theirs. Uh, I can give them certainly both options as to, uh, you know, what they might expect to get uh, either way. Uh, most people these days just sell it outright, um, you know, because they're kind of hurting for money. Yeah. You know, with the cost gas yeah. and, you know, all the inflationary stuff. Definitely. Uh, so they, they can't they can't afford to wait for something to potentially sell. Right. Okay. What are your hours the rest of today and tomorrow? So today and tomorrow, uh, I am, um, today I'm here till 6, tomorrow uh, 9 to 4. Uh, now next week, uh, Black Friday, yeah. uh, I will be open Great. Uh, an extra hour. Uh, Excellent. So instead of closing at 6, I'll be here till 7. Oh, wow. Uh, Saturday will still be my regular hours. Uh, now, uh, I am going in for spine surgery oh. November 28th, which is the following Monday. Okay. And then what, what, so, is that, uh, what does that mean? I'm not going to be, uh, I will not be here at the shop uh, the 29th and probably not the 30th. Okay. And do you, will you be closed or have the, uh, the, the team no, standing uh, by? So, uh, one of my, uh, so one of my good friends who is uh, 
uh, listed uh, on my license uh, will be here to, you know, uh, for, you know, general sales and stuff like that. But he won't be doing paperwork for guns. Okay. And one thing, John Francis, I'm going to call you Wednesday because Black Friday is a big day. And I want to stress to people, for the gun enthusiast in, in your life, a gift certificate from competition. You can't just walk in there. If you don't have a, a blue card, you can't just go in there and say, I think I'll pick out a rifle for my whoever, husband, dad, boyfriend. But you certainly could buy a gift certificate. And I've never Absolutely. seen uh, a gun owner, I've never seen anyone upset with a gift certificate going into competition shooting supplies. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you Wednesday before Black Friday because Black Friday is a big day. Awesome. All right. Thanks, John Francis. Folks, there it is. John Francis, Competition Shooting Supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Now, right now, it's 154, and you're listening to The John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I I didn't hear the whole thing. I'll listen. I I still didn't hear anything. They'll just talk about ground game. I don't expect them to um, go after anything. I think that's pretty interesting that Congressman Cicilline was involved with Seth Magazino with the debate prep. Um, and he, he that's, that's uh, David, whether you like him or not, Congressman David Cicilline. Right now it's 154. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. If you put Cicilline, just in Rhode Island now, Cicilline Ramundo. Sheldon Whitehouse, Jack Reed, McKee, if you put them on a stage in a debate, Cicilline wins. Gina second. Those two are the best debaters, but he's even better. Mannerisms, hand motions, reactions, emotion. Very, very effective debater. I don't agree with his policies. I've never voted for him. But he is a tremendous debater. I think that's also interesting. Bob Walsh said if Ashley Kalis had run for lieutenant governor, she could have gotten that. All that money blown out of the water would have blown Sabina Matos out of the water. First time I've heard that. That's an interesting nugget. I, I don't disagree with that. But you you couldn't tell her differently. Then she would have had a leg hold. I think that's that's a really interesting point by Bob Walsh. All right, let me see if I can reach our friend Marie, especially folks with people getting sick. And being told that, um, uh, you know, to avoid the emergency room and everything. That, folks, there she is. Well, on this Friday, as we are hearing that people are getting sick and you want to avoid the emergency room and everything else. Folks, we're joined by the Queen of Health. It's Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Marie, I mean, every time I see a headline that says avoid emergency rooms, people are getting sick. The, the, the three words that pop into my health are it's my health. Absolutely. We need to uh, we need to stay healthy and stay out of those unhealthy places. Yep. Now, if someone were to uh, walk in today or tomorrow, 1099 Menden Road, Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, and someone's feeling a lot of colds and going around, a lot of flu, what would be some things that Marie might recommend? Um, there's a product called Quebeco that has virtually everything in it that you need to keep your immune system up. Vitamin D, vitamin C, selenium, zinc, quercetin, beta-glucans, colostrum. So it's a tablet that just dissolves in your mouth so nice and easy. That would be my first place 
because it's easy. It's not 10 different products. It's one product. And then there are some other things you could add to it. But um, but that's a good start. Now, Marie, what would you say would be your product of the week that if someone walked in today, one or two that you would like to recommend for them? Well, seeing as it is cold and flu season, it, you know, it is virus season, the Quebeco would be one. Elderberry. Elderberry is our biggest friend right now, so we have that in capsules and syrups um, and tea. And then we also have the dried elderberries, and some people make their own syrups. And we have them in gummies, too. So lots of good ways to get the elderberry, which is good for your immune system and yes. especially good for your lungs. Wow. Now, folks, again, it's Marie. It's my health, 1099, Menden Road in Cumberland. Marie, all those people in Buffalo, I think they're going to get four four feet of snow. All I was thinking of, if I, I would immediately contact you, try to get some nice tea, some nice herbs, spices, and then just bundle up for a big winter storm. And after all of that shoveling, you're going to need some <laughs> arnica or some CBD. That's right. <laughs> yes. Now, holidays are coming. Marie, I'm going to call you next Wednesday because Black Friday, I can't think of a better gift you have so many unique wonderful gifts and next friday saturday you know local business shopping um so we'll talk to you wednesday to get everyone geared up for friday so for sure yeah we want you to have a big weekend and folks again it's never been more important to stay healthy marie what are your hours for the remaining part of today and also for tomorrow We'll be here till five thirty today and tomorrow from nine to four folks she is the queen of health it's Marie. It's a big burden. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, but she wears it proudly. I think of you when I'm watching the crown. Folks, it is Marie, and it's my health. Marie, great to talk to you. Hello to that lucky gentleman who I really enjoyed spending time with, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you. Take care, John. All right, folks. There it is, Marie, and it's my health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Right now at 159, this portion of our program, brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Think of that. Lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge. Patriots back in action this Sunday. They're waiting for you at the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Folks, it's Friday. Stay tuned. Uh, You're going to hear the 2 o'clock news. I'll be back on the radio Monday at 11. But we will be doing Facebook Live later. WNRI Winsocket. WNRI.